podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, question and answers with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your new show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And you know what the best part is? You can get all of this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the setup. So, whether you're starting from scratch or you have an existing show that you just want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Now listen, acceptance into the program is limited. So get your application in today. Go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. It's got to 2-2 and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Yo! This week's episode of Touchy Gunas is brought to you in association with our partners over at Fanslide. Fanslide is the world's first live and in-play fantasy football game. You can play against your friends, us here at Touchy Gunas and the rest of the Touchline Fracas Network for free and be in with a chance of winning cash prizes on select games. So if you fancy yourself as some kind of fantasy league genius, why don't you come and join us over at Fanslide? You can get things started in our game against West Brom on Saturday. Maybe you think Aubameyang's going to find his shooting boots. Join in the fun today. Search Fanslide in App Store and download today. Fanslide, don't just watch the game, play the game. Yo, so welcome to another episode of the Touchy Gooners um, podcast. Uh, this week, um, I'm on hosting duties. Lewis um, had a few prior obligations that he couldn't get out of. So um, I've stepped up to the mantle um, and I'm joined today by uh, German Dan and Sean. How are you guys doing? All good, good, man. man. Yeah, man. Yeah, the mood, the mood's a bit better now, you know. Uh, six, six points out of six, you know. Who, 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 who thought we would be here, you know, uh, a week ago? You know, who we we prayed for times like this. Um, you know? So uh, off the back of no wins in eight, two wins out of two, it's a, it's something, it's a, it's something to be happy about. I think, um, mm-hmm. you know, after a dismal, dismal couple of months, um, 
we actually did uh, Chelsea, a bit of Chelsea instant reaction um, straight after the straight after the pod. So if you're a patron, you can go and ahead and listen to listen to that. I'm sure we'll cover um, some of the topics as well. But if you want um, a more in-depth uh, analysis of the Chelsea match, yeah, make sure you go and subscribe to the patron and you get all that um, nice, juicy, uh, fresh content for you. But today, let's focus on on the Brighton match. We won one nil. Um, a nice goal for Alex Lacazette. He's coming into a little bit of form. You know, um, people, streets are saying um, Aubameyang needs to hold bench for Lacazette now. Um, so what uh, did you guys... Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> what, did, what did you guys make of the, the starting lineup um, then? Because obviously Lacazette was dropped for um, Aubameyang. Um, I think I think um, I was happy with the starting lineup. Not, not set in midfield, but I think our options are kind of limited at the moment. So... Um, it was always going to be Xhaka and then your Ceballos kind of thing. So um, I'm happy he, st- he, he, um, he persisted with e- ESR on the 10, Saka on the right and um, Martinelli on the left. And um, up front, I was happy for Aubameyang to come in uh, rather than Lacazette. Um, I think Lacazette also played two games in a row when Aubameyang was injured. So I think probably good rotation as well to, to start Aubameyang. So um, that, the front four I was fine with. Um Midfield again, um, we don't have many options, but I mean, them two are just they're just they're just ridiculous. But um, I don't think he had many options. I think he probably could have started Tobias, but um, I can concede Anani being more athletic. <clears throat> and in a game where we played against a Brighton team there in the first half, definitely pressed us a lot. And and Anani was was um was um suspect for some giveaways. And he was able to compete athletically, which I think Sabayas probably would have struggled with. Um, so I get why he went with him. Um, I think Jacka is ahead of both in the, in the pecking order, so it was pretty clear that he was going to play. And um, at the back, um, I think Murray and Holding actually done well in this game. I don't think they were too troubled. Um, no real centre-forward or no real centre-forward movement from Brighton. So that helped. Um, so I wouldn't read too much into this um, performance from them. But we have to give credit when credit is due. They were fairly solid. Um, but yeah, we can we can go on about this and this until he's freed. Um, I will not stop. Um, Saliba should be in in the team, should be in the squad, and we know that. So, but apart from that, I think the team was fairly predictable. And Sean, anything you want to add? Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't really have any qualms. It was good to see a bit of uh, continuity in terms of the team. I agree with Dan. When it, even though obviously we have big reservations on Elneny, he's a very average player, but. Um, when you're going to Brighton, who are a very, very fit team athletically, you need to be able to compete, especially away from home. So um, one of the things about Xhaka and Ceballos is that if we had them both as a pivot, they both pretty much play on top of the centre-back. So it doesn't allow for much verticality. Not that Elneny is much better, but do you know what I mean? It allows us to be a bit more expansive in terms of, of how we approach it. Like, And we don't get transitioned on as bad when Elneny's in the team compared to, say, a Jacques or a Sabaos, because of their limitations, they're not going to take many risks anyway. So, um, and, and you'd probably see more of a disconnect between them and the, the, the sort of front four. And then, obviously, with Aubameyang, yeah, it makes sense to bring him back in. Um, he's the better striker, even though, obviously, he's going through a bit of a, a dip, in, dip in form at the moment. But I actually saw, I, I know he was getting quite a bit of abuse after the game, but I actually saw green shoots of recovery, personally, for me in this game, especially in the second half as well. So, when we started to... Um, pass and move the ball a bit better and we started to get into spaces a bit better as well. He he came he came alive more. I'm not worried about him. So yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I thought um 
yeah, yeah, good, really good points from from both of you. And I thought that um, you know, it was interesting the way the way Brighton set up personally because I, I I've not seen them play um in that way this season uh, uh too often. Normally they are very much um you know front footed. Um, they they like to 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 press teams, and I thought in the first half they they sort of they they pressed us, but not necessarily up high. I think they let our centre backs have a lot of the ball, and then they would engage with the centre midfielders. Um, and as uh, you said, Dan, you know El Nenny seemed to to struggle with that in the in the first half, and in the second half, um, I think their game sort of suited us a lot more. They did come and try and do that high press, which allowed us to get, you know, um, in behind them a bit more. And we saw, we saw some joy um, in comparison and in contrast to the, to the Chelsea match. What do you make of the, the overall team performance? Because obviously Chelsea, I think they were pretty poor on the day. Um, I don't think Brighton have much quality, but um, I think we looked, we looked a bit leggy um, coming into this game. Obviously there was only one, one change. Um, we played the previous uh from playing the previous game two two days ago, so so you could um, maybe use that as a bit of an excuse. But I feel like we started this match really quite slowly um, and allowed Brighton to take um, a foothold in it. Whereas against Chelsea, you know, we were really quick out the blocks and 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 put them under pressure from you know the first minute. So um, yeah, I'll go I'll go to Sharon first this time. Are you on mute? Sorry, yeah, yeah. I do, I do think um, the legs is is a valid. Actually, normally I wouldn't, ex- but I think it is actually a valid excuse in this game because I was looking back at you know the stats after the Chelsea game. I think we ran four k more than Chelsea in that game, so we used that to to make up for our lack of quality in comparison to them. And obviously, you know, over the Christmas period, so we played Everton, then we played um, Chelsea, now we played Brighton. It, it's quite a hard fixture list in terms of consecutive fixtures as well. So, and and we've also got guys like Martinelli returning back from from injury, ESR, who we have to watch from an injury perspective as well. So, yeah, it, it was, but I do agree, we started slow. Um, I think Elneny especially, he's not he's not brave enough on the ball. Um, when he needs to pass forward, he, he doesn't pass forward enough. I don't know why he's so, he's always been so, so risk averse. So, and that harmed us. Um, I also thought a bit as well that Emil Smith-Rowe was a, a tad bit too high in the first half. I would have liked to have, drop them a little bit deeper just because um yeah there, there was a bit of a disconnect and I think we needed someone to because neither Jack or Anoni were going to drive the ball up the pitch so it would have been nice to have maybe ESR or Saka drop in a bit more and you know drive the ball a bit a, a bit further up so yeah it was a bit of a slow start um partly down to I think the legs of the of the last game but also just because generally um Brighton operated a bit different to how how Chelsea did you know Chelsea came at us, they left a lot of space. So it's quite easy to counter into as well. So, and, and one of the things we've always spoke about with Arteta since he's been here is that we've generally struggled against deep blocks, partly, partly that's because um, we don't have the best personnel, but also just because we don't have any good enough attacking patterns. We don't combine in the half spaces enough. Um, I mean, we showed obviously better sides of it in the second half, but, but generally that's been a criticism of us under Arteta since he's been here. So, yeah. That probably explains quite a bit of um, of our struggles in the first half. And Dan, anything to add? Yeah, I think um, the first half, as you said, that um, Brighton went really high press. Us, it was more than mid press, but the press was effective. Um, they identified um, obviously that our centre backs are not going to do anything with the ball. They're not going to find the players in um, in the danger zones, and they will pass the ball onto the centre midfielders who are who are not able to receive under pressure, turn under pressure or drive into any space that even Brighton 
vacate um, when they press um, maybe a tons even aimlessly. Um, I thought a, a touch, a good touch here, a good control there would have opened up the field quite a lot. But Anani and Jaka were just not capable of doing it. So their press was somewhat effective in the first half and forced errors. Um, their quality ultimately ultimately let them down. And then in the second half, I think they were also a bit more fatigued because um, I, I think they tried to press us even higher, but they didn't have the physical capabilities to, ex um, to execute it well. And um, that's when the gap started appearing. The game became very easy for Jacques, especially. Um, wasn't getting pressed anymore. It was more the centre backs, and the ball would come to him from the from the from the full backs a lot of times. And he would be able to find um, ESR, who would always make himself available either side for him or Nani to kind of find. And then he would push on, and same as Saka, as Saka and um, push on and get the game forward. And we were quite good and effective in transition. So from the front four, I saw some good combinations and also a lot of good movement. So um, I think there were some reservations about Bobangang or Martinelli could play together. I think if we are if we are finding people in the right spaces and getting the ball forward, then for sure. If not, then it, it does look disjointed. But um, I think second half was encouraging to me to think that both can function in their in their respective roles. Um, maybe at sometimes Aubameyang will play a bit wide, and then Martinelli central. I think they can swap. I think it gives us some fluidity. So I think it was good in the second half. Um, yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I think that that's really my overall points on the game. I think that's how the game panned out. And Saka and Isa, um quality and um, kind of kind of saved us in that game, I guess. Yeah, um, and that was just yeah, good good segue into the the next thing that I wanted to discuss. Obviously, the man of the match, um, probably the man of the the moment, man of player of our season so far. To be honest, Bukayo Saka, you know, he stepped up when we needed uh, a bit of quality. You know, as he's done in previous games um, this season. So the thing is that it really worries me every time I see this guy go down um, injured because you know he's always sort of half injured every single game. You know, he's playing all the minutes. He's always limping. And he went off this game with another knock. So I hope that the club sort of wrap him in cotton wool, you know, give him all, them, all the ice baths that he needs um, ahead of uh, the, the match on the weekend because we need him, uh, I think, if we're going to have any hope of breaking down um, a big Sam, a big Sam West Brom, you know. So, um, so yeah, his, his performance with um, Emil Smith-Rowe, I think Smith-Rowe touched on it in his sort of um, post-match uh, comments as well that he said you know they know each other really well off the pitch they train together um, a lot so they feel like they know where they're going to be um, on the pitch so like where do you where like where do you even see Saka developing because for me I really like this right wing position for him um, I think it's, it gives better balance to the team um, rather than him playing on the left because you know we've got a really good attacking um, left fullback I think um on the left side that gives you sort of the same things that Saka gives you when he plays on the left. So I feel like when he's on the right, it allows you to have sort of more dynamism to your, your attack as we've seen um, in these past few weeks. And I can't remember what match it was, but when Willian got subbed off playing on the right and Saka switched around to the right side and then, you know, the whole attack was lifted or Saka did probably more in those 10 minutes on the right than, than William did for the whole game. So where do you see him developing and where do you see his, his sort of final position being? Yeah, I think that's a very good question. I think Saka has shown so many facets to his game. Um, I think I remember we were talking about him being able to maybe own the whole of the left side because he can play centrally, he can play out wide, he can play in all zones, he can affect all zones and phases of play on the left. Um, I think, but you make a very good point with Tierney is a, Tierney is a weapon going forward. He overlaps, he doesn't stop. 
And um, I think what we've lacked in the last few weeks, especially, is that we've always had a left-footed winger and a right-footed winger on, on both sides. And the cross, the crossing variants, uh, variants wouldn't be there. There would always be a cross coming from the outside rather than an in-swinger. So um, what we've changed now is that Martinelli is coming inside. He's making movements towards inside. He's shooting inside and he's also crossing inside. It can also go on the outside. And Saka can do both. They can both go both ways. Um, and a lot of times they will actually come inside and can occupy central um, areas, which which we really lacked. So um, to, to touch on the point where I think Saka can develop, I think it's wide open. I think he could end up being a right winger. Um, he's definitely shown that he, he can own that spot. In the squad, we have what Willian and Pepe playing there. Willian has played 10, 12 games for us and has been absolutely awful. He has shown nothing for me to suggest that he will give us any good performances. And um, Pepe has been sporadic um, a lot of times, also not good. So um, Saka has outshone, outshone both and he's only played two, three games there. Um, he looks way better. So I think that's our best option at right wing right now. So I would continue him now. And um, for left wing, I think um, obviously Martinelli is back and he gives us a lot of energy. So um, I think I would continue him there. It's just difficult to say where Saka could play because I do think he has the capabilities of playing central. I think he has the capabilities of being an interior or um, a left centre mid um, centre midfielder. I think he's 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 very very talented, and his biggest asset is probably his intelligence. Um, he he just the way he adapts his game to where he plays, and he always picks up the right zones and spaces. Um, he is in the decision making of when to pass, when to go, and stuff. It's just way beyond his years, so it's very hard to say where he, where he would end up because he can play this whole season right wing, and then next season. He might play centrally and it'd be sick, you know, so it's difficult to say. Mm. Sean, anything to add? Yeah, no, no, no. I, I totally agree, I think, on, on both your points. I, I've been quite an advocate for a while of um, Saka and Tini not being on the same side. I just think they end up being on top of each other whenever they play on the same side. Um, one of Tini's great qualities is the fact he has the engine to get up and down and he's got great crossing ability. And I just think that sort of gets nullified with Saka being on that sort of same side. So they occupy similar zones when they are on that same side. So I think having Saka, who seems to be comfortable anywhere, as, as Dan alluded to, I think um, makes it a lot easier. In, and especially in terms of the crossing and the shot the, the shot variance as well, it always makes sense for me to have someone who's inverted, which allows space for both fullbacks to, to get up. So whenever Saka or Martinelli inverts, obviously you've got Bellerin or um, Tini going on on the outside. And it just makes sense to me. Like one, one of the things about the last two performances is just the balance that we've seen. Um, you can obviously debate the quality, but it's balanced. Do you know what I mean? It makes sense. And, it, and it's stuff that we've been calling for for a while. So even though we need better personnel in a lot of those positions, um, it makes sense. I, I get the approach. It's, it's, it's a lot smarter, um, but obviously we just need um, a massive uplift in quality. But yeah, in, in, in terms of talking of the point, I yeah, I quite like Saka right wing. I do, I do. I've, re I've really, really warmed to it. Um, I like him there. Um, even though obviously yesterday he beat his man, but he might not always beat his man because he's not, even though he, he has got pace, he's not like a 1v1 demon. But um, like Dan said, I just back him because his football IQ is so, so high. Um, he seems to be able to find the solution. Um, wherever you put him and that is always the signs of a great player and and some people say I think they're going overboard in terms of I, I don't I actually don't think the hype has been overboard I think he's put in so many good performances over the course of the last year I think I read yesterday that he's got 15 assists in the whole season um, in the course of this calendar year so I, I, I think that's great he's been effective at left back he's been effective in centre mid left wing right wing he's one of those players you can just put in anywhere and I think 
they will play well just because he's an intelligent and he's a good player. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him developed on, on the right wing. I, I really like the thought of that um, because I would also like to see us buy a, like a left 1v1 demon at some point, someone like a Jeremy Doku or um, a Kamal. You know that guy? I can't remember what his name is. He plays for like um, in Norway, but he's another one as well. So, um, so yeah, I, I, w- I would really like to, to see that because he can obviously... He can hold his width, but he also come. He knows when to come inside at the right time and combine. And and that's something Pepe doesn't know. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't have that level of football in IQ that Saka does as well. So um, yeah, right wing for me. I, I like it. Yeah, I think I think Saka's intelligence, you know, is, is really shown in that assist. Um, firstly, with the turn that he does on the, on on the left back, is just. I think that's that's really top 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 uh, level quality to to turn uh, the defender on the halfway line um, and beat him in such a way and then also with the pass to Lacazette you know because when he's running into the box I didn't actually think that the, that pass was on and he managed to do it with his with his weaker foot um on his right as well so I, I just love everything about that um that assist I just think it showcases all of the all of uh, the guys the guys talent and I think it's it's actually a massive indictment on the likes of Pepe and uh, William because to me, in terms of skill set, I think both of those players have got a wider skill set than what Saka does in terms of, you know, being able to, to dribble and beat players uh, 1v1. They're both, um, I think, faster than Saka, you know, and have the ability to do those things. But when we've seen them play on the right wing, and this is why, you know, Arteta's tactics were really called into question um, is that the way they play that role is very, very different to the way Saka or even Martinelli plays it on the other side, that we thought that the instructions are, you know, you need to, you need to hug the touchline um, and stay out, out wide, and which is what Pepe does. But, you know, the out-to-in run, Saka comes in inside to combine a lot more. And it seems that the wingers actually have a lot more freedom um, to do that if they want to. Do you get what I mean? So like all of this positional play, et cetera, that we've been sort of getting onto Arteta about, I think the youngsters are sort of putting that to, to bed a little bit because you're seeing it with the likes of Nelson, um, Smithrow, Willock uh, in, in the Europa League as well. So that, you know, when 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 they are playing and given these opportunities, they are they are trying to make things happen. Whereas when you're look, you know, looking at your 72 million pound signings or your 32 year old Premier League veterans, they're not really uh, impacting the game in the same way. And I just think it's a massive indictment on those two players, especially, you know, that they're, they're just sort of watching, letting the game pass them by because... You, yeah, so, but, so, so, sorry, bro. I was, I was just sorry to butt in. I was just going to say as well, do you know what I think about some of these young players? Even though they're not at the level we'd um, like at the moment, what I will say is that a lot of these guys are still versed in like sort of, you know, the methods of Vengable in terms of the spaces they pick up, in terms of the half spaces, knowing when to come inside, knowing when to combine. Because I feel the same about Nelson as well, in terms of especially when he plays left wing. And he's um, he had a good few performances earlier on in the season with Saka, you know, coming inside there to combine one holding the width, one coming inside, but also knowing when to, you know, their, their appreciation of space is a lot better. They just seem generally more intelligent, which is a massive indictment on the senior players, you know what I mean? Especially the likes of William and Pepe, uh, it calls into question a lot in terms of the stuff they've actually been doing. The fact that these youngsters who in my opinion, and um, I was saying this, I've got a bit of heat, that they still shouldn't be starting anyway. The likes of Saka Martinelli, um, ESR, they should all be in an ideal world. They would be squad players um, and we'd have the best possible players signing above them. But these guys would be padding out the squad, making that, that you know, adding quality to it from, from that perspective and they'd be on low wages, you know what I mean? So they wouldn't be eating up massive um, space on the wage bill. But yeah, uh, I, to, to the overall point, I think uh, 
a lot of these senior players have been have been put to shame. And um, while I'm still um, critical and hesitant on Arteta, I, I would have no qualms if he carried on just paying these guys. And I, and I, and I don't think he should change. Um, the, the way it's going anyway, a lot of these senior guys are going to be out of contracts within the next six months to a year anyway. So um, if he had started, like, for example, I would have had more sympathy with Arteta if he had done this from the start. Do you know what I mean? Lent into this. Because if you remember back to a year ago, Freddie Lundberg said, um, just before Arteta was hired, he said, listen, a lot of these senior players are going to let you down time and time again. Um, so, and if you remember back to that game before Arteta took over, he played like most of the academy players. He played like Nelson, Smith Rowe, um, so he played loads of them um, from the very, very get-go. Um, so, and and while obviously, like I said, I'm hesitant, I only feel like a couple of them will make it anyway. But what I will say is that they will run till it hurts, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> they, will, they will give you that level of passion and that level of work rate and intensity that you need. Do you know what I mean? Because one of the, the key things that you can highlight from the last two games is, you know, the energy that we put in. And that energy hasn't been there a lot of in a lot of games this season. 100%. Yeah, I think I think a couple of things have been slightly different to the to the to the previous game. Of course, we're not we're not really persistent with the three four three at the moment. The four two three one helps us um, occupy better zones and attack better. And then also the utilization of players, um, as as I already mentioned, um, the wing is now coming inside rather than William as a right winger. He's going to be on the outside. It's just the natural positioning. And then Pepe a lot of times was using used as a left winger. And um, I think with Pepe in general that you can see that he doesn't have the, the game intelligence that an ESR or Saka has because he doesn't take up the positions. He doesn't make the movements to suggest certain things or what, what I can do with my teammates. So I think he irritates his teammates a little bit, um, where, which is where he would need help, I believe. But um, um, yeah, it just seems like he, he doesn't quite have it um, at the moment. Um, and I think um, and 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 Martinelli and Saka are just they have this um, they have this desire to to want to affect the game and um, I think Pepe and William don't um, I think Pepe goes through phases in games he loves going for phases in games he will have a 10, 10 minute spell where he's active and then you won't see him for forty minutes and then he might come back for another five William in general you, you don't see much of him um he, he, he does nice touches nice controls but does nothing with it you know i mean he, he slows situations down same as pepe they're both slow situations down as i think esr and saka whenever they get it, their speed situations up they take one two touches and they're moving it and they're moving off the ball and that cre- that, that that creates destabilization of the opposition and that's the main way of us creating chances and it's not particularly through the individual quality of the players whereas i think Saka has individual quality and ESR has individual quality. But if you look at the way we create chances, it's not, oh, this is a superb pass. This is a, do you know what I mean? This is an unreal control. This, this is really based on movement and uh, intensity, really, and the willingness to commit. Mm. And um, this is what we didn't get from Pepe and William at all. Mm. Um, and the, the young guys are giving us. When I spit bars in a ring, man, I go hard, last and ten. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE 
at betonline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. When I spit bars in a when I go hard like Santan. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job sites, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now... Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed's match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueIsle. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueIsle. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. When I spit bars in a rave, when I go hard like Santan. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, And to talk on uh, Smith Rowe as well. So like we've, um, I, I personally feel like this is actually one talent that Arsenal fans haven't, you know, sort of gone overboard with. Um, <coughs> per- personally, I feel like you know people have no people have rated him and said that they wanted him to play, but I don't think people have, you know, sort of said, oh, he's so good at this, he's so good at that. They've just said that this guy looks talented and we think he should be getting minutes. That's that's mostly what I've seen. I don't think it's a case of, you know. Um, a Mason Greenwood or a Martinelli when people are saying, oh, look how good this aspect of his game is. Because for me, and I think in, in terms of Emil Smith-Rowe's game, the the start, the standout quality for me is the fact that he he knows where to be on the pitch. And he, he has that sort of, that ability to scan and find and find space. Sim- like similarly to what Mesut Ozil does, I don't think he's on that level, but I think he has a good appreciation for space on the pitch and it allows him to make the game look very, very simple. Like in these games that he's played, I think they've been solid and steady performances, but I personally don't think he's done anything spectacular other than be available because, you know, people have been screaming out for this number 10, um, number 10 to come into the team. And he's come in and we have looked better, but it's not, for me, it's not a case of he's now, we now have that creative hub that everything is going through and he's putting in the final balls to, to Aubameyang running in behind because he's not really done much of that, but he's just made himself available and given us different passing angles um, and combinations to work around defences. So my question to you is, so we've often said, um, you know, we need two attacking signings um, in January. If Smith Rowe, um, can come in and, and contribute to the level that he has, would you say that we still need those two or would you be happy with one signing, an attacking signing and maybe another signing in, say, central midfield to, to be a partner to party, something like that? No, I, 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 I still think we need two. Uh, I'm not I'm not deviating from that. My my idea was always to have two in the ESR anyway. Um, when you think back to how we were under Wenger, we used to have like four or five of these types. And even Arteta has spoken about it before in terms of renewing that sort of profile of player. Um, so yeah, no, hundred percent, and and I don't think that will limit him. Um, and I'm also talking about sort of making squad space available by you know selling the likes of Willock, 
um, El Neni, Pepe. Um, you know, we, we need to sort of create space for for, for sort of the, the better players as well. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, I, I think I think there's more than enough minutes to go around. Um, and like I said, we just need to have as many of those types available within the squad because when you talk about, even though he hasn't, yeah, I agree. You could probably rate like his performances so far in both games as a seven out of ten because he hasn't done anything outlandish. But by definition, the job of a playmaker is to help facilitate play. So they're just supposed to help make the team look better. Do you know what I mean? Even if they don't have direct influences themselves. And this was always what I think, and Dan will agree, was an underrated quality of Ozil as well. He just made the team better. And because if you're not doing, some people will judge it by if you're not doing a step, or if you're not just having, you know, that sort of impact like Bruno, where you're shooting every two times or like you're you're playing a through ball every, every, every second attempt. No, what ESR is doing is that he's adding some central centrality to our play. He's making himself available in the half spaces. He's popping it off, giving and going, uh, moving into channels, helping helping to combine. That all in itself is a form of playmaking. Do you know what I mean? You don't need to be threading through balls and taking shots to, to, to be playmaking it every time. What he's doing is very understated, but it's also making the team better in itself. He has actually a couple of gears to go up in himself anyway. What he is, he's a very powerful and he's a very quick runner with the ball. Um, we saw a couple flashes yesterday but he can do that in a lot lot more detail he done it loads for Huddersfield last season as well so hopefully as he gets fitter as he builds up more confidence you'll start to see um a bit more a bit more of the flair he has to his game because he's definitely got more at the moment he's just keeping it simple which is great in itself as well but um hopefully he'll start to add a bit more as as a as stuff um as it starts to go along but yes I think it's important that we give him game time I've been saying it for for the last couple of months I think we should have been giving him more game time um, but yeah, give him game time, but also just improve, improve by another two playmakers as well. Um, my choices would be like a Brandt and an Elise. Um, adds more quality to the team. If um, ESR ends up usurping them, then great. If he ends up being a squad player also, then great. He's shown he's good enough to be a squad player. But if he if he ends up being better than them, that's great in itself as well. But um, yeah, we shouldn't um, we shouldn't stop buying, trying to buy the best possible players just because we don't want to. Do you know, what I mean, block our young players. So yeah, and and I really hope that this um the last two months and the ESR's emergence now has been educational for some fans because I think they didn't realize what um what is required for teams to be coherent going forward. And um, we took something obviously Uzo was not playing before, and we found some ways to create chances. But um, we 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 took we took that type of profile out of the out of the squads and didn't use ESR as well, and we we could see how starved we were. Like for so many months, for so many games, we've seen other people try and um, do things in the number ten role or find other ways of creating. Ultimately, you always need players to have this facilitating um capability in your team. This can come through the ten for the eight. Well, you need players that make themselves available and and um, and find people in other in other spaces quickly. So uh, I think um, I think it's it's quite an educational thing. Um, I think for a lot of fans because um, therefore we could wing it, and you can't, you can't. In football, you can't wing it. Certain fundamentals have to be given, I believe, and quality quality of course has to be given as well. And ESR has some quality, and I agree with um, Shion. You can go up a couple of levels, so um, I expect to see more of them. But um, I think um, given that though, that we need those kind of fundamentals, um, it'd be now dangerous to just sign one other. I think um, we need to we need to pack the or stack the squad as well as we can, and um, get two two more uh, creative players in. Um, those players those players can usually operate in different zones and different areas. They don't always play in the ten. They can play as an eight. They can play as a left winger, right winger. I mean, 
Um, we talk about Grealish a lot. Grealish plays um, predominantly in that in that left zone, um, and completely, do you know what I mean? He completely does his thing in that zone. So we, we can find um, someone like Brand could probably play in that left zone as well. So we just need to find players and um, um, that can occupy those zones and make us um, better collectively. Mm. And I, I think I think um, the targets we we've been linked with Brandt, um I really like Ulisse, I really like um, not too much um, interested in Isco. Um, Ericsson links are, are fairly low, but um, I, 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 I want them too. That I mentioned, um, Brandon and Lisa. I think the other two, I'm not sure if, if they can fix much. Um, even though they have technical security, I think to, to kind of segue into Isco a little bit because I keep seeing links with him. That's the that's the one I see the most really. That we that there's interest for Isco. And don't get me wrong, Isco has um, some fantastic qualities. Qualities you won't find um, often in football. Um, I have a lot of concerns with him. He hasn't played much. Um, he's, he's probably short of confidence. Um, this is also not an easy situation at Arsenal right now. So we, we probably want someone that is not short on confidence. So someone that, um, maybe that's a price to Brunt as well, but you, you want someone that has been in and out of playing football. I don't think this guy's played much football. Conditioning, he looks off. I think there's a few question marks. Um, the only question mark I don't have about him is I do think he has a lot of quality still. And people are quick to write off. Um, players when they haven't played a season or two well, but ultimately this quality it doesn't really go away. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't be too opposed if the club does it. But as I said, my preference would be a brand or Elisa. I think that profile um, and the timing would be better than um, an Isco. Um, Isco will be a, a remontada, right? <laughs> so mm. um, you don't always quite know how they go. But um, I think I think he definitely has the quality. Um, Six month loan, I wouldn't be too opposed, but as I said, I prefer something else. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I'm just looking at um Isco's uh stats now. Um he's played 10, 10 times this season, um, apparently, but I'm just looking at the minutes yeah. and basically he's getting 12 minutes, 25 minutes, 20 minutes yeah. here, even one minute here, you know, he's playing. I think that he's, he's got one match where he's played 80 minutes. Otherwise, he's always played, you know, less than less than 45. So it's mad you know. how he's fallen out of favour so much because because I, I, I agree with Dan, like, and this is why, like, I, I'm still, and Dan agrees with me with this, I'm still quite big on Draxler because I don't think ability ever leaves you. But now what, what will be called into question is, you know, you haven't played a lot. How high is your motivation? In the case of Bisco, that could be a worry. Do you know what I mean? Because this is someone who's won four Champions Leagues. He probably doesn't care that much anymore so that probably is a factor someone like Draxler at the age of you know just turned 27 I still think he has you know what I mean he still, he'll still want to play for Germany he'll probably still have a point to prove do you know what I mean so um Isco might be a, di- a different kettle of fish so yeah I, I I don't always think it just depends on the player buying someone who maybe has drifted out of the abyss for a while isn't always a bad thing it just depends on the situation and the circumstances so you probably just got to analyze each situation accordingly yeah, I think I think a six month loan for Isco um, is an option to keep there if you struggle to get um, some of your other major major signings. I wouldn't be completely against it if the alternative is getting nothing in personally because I've always liked Isco from his Malaga days. I thought he was um, a real superstar like type talent. Um, there maybe he's not hit those same heights at Madrid, but he has had some good times at at Madrid as well, and was quite key to some of their um, a couple of their Champions League wins, I think um, at least. So you know, I do I do rate the player, but I do think we should be looking um, elsewhere. But I'll keep it there as um as as a last resort. And I think okay, so 
Looking ahead to West Brom then, obviously, um, they've been, they've actually been, they got a point at Liverpool um, on Boxing Day, but they've actually been packed in um, their last two. We love to see it. Yeah, their last two home, their last two home games conceded eight goals to Aston Villa and Leeds. Um, so, you know, their home form is looking kind of shaky. You know, I, we, we know what Big Sam's going to do. You know, two backs of four, a big target man up top, um, and and try and get get something on the counter or get something from set pieces. So, you know, what what would you do if you're Arteta for that game? Basically, um, it's it's going to be tough because it's going to be another game. Probably this probably be even harder than the Brighton game last night in terms of um, West Brom will defend very narrow, um, very compact. So it's going to rely again on combinations. Um, and obviously, we're now at a point as well where someone like Martinelli has played three games in seven days. We probably want to be a bit cautious with him. Um, mine's a bit outlandish. I'd like to see Nelson come in on the left. Um, it's another combination type. So I think actually he could link up really well with ESR and Saka. Um, or, yeah, I, I guess maybe there might be concerns about ESR as well. So we might have to shake things up a, li a little bit. But I really think we're going to need to have good combinations if we're going to be able to open up West Brom this game. Because one thing, we're, one, obviously, we're already not a crossing team. Big Sam's teams, you know, they don't get beaten in the air much as well. So that is a, that's a tactic which I already write off in terms of set pieces, in terms of crosses into the box. Um, so it's going to have to be a lot of the eye of the needle stuff. Um, and, and so we, we need that sort of type. Or maybe this is a game for Pepe, do you know what I mean? To try and come in and, do you know what I mean, one of his one in 10, 15 good games, he can maybe just... <laughs> conjure something up yeah so I, I don't know man uh, he, he he might come in he might come in but I really think the combinations are going to have to be necessary in this game if, if we're going to look to open Brighton up so um, we're going to need to move it quick we're going to need to move it fast we're going to need to try and find the spaces um, so yeah but it would be tough yeah so I'd, I'd like to see Nelson as my shout in this game I think, it's a, I think it's a decent shout I think when I watch West Brom against Liverpool you know I, I, I do think that they're vulnerable on that on on that left side. So the way our left side, Tierney, because um, Robertson had a lot of joy just overlapping and they struggled to track his overlap. And his, his deliveries were obviously good and Tierney's deliveries are good as well. We just, Liverpool in our first half didn't have enough people attacking his crosses. There were a lot of good crosses where I thought Liverpool could have been two, three up. Um, I, and I struggled to see how we will um, capitalise on Tierney's crosses if we do that. We probably uh -huh. have a few good couple of crosses coming in and we like, oh, we should have scored so um I, I think um I think Nelson is a good option um a player that um that occupies good spaces and then combines and moves off the ball quite well I do I, I don't want Martinelli to be overplayed we know we we know that he's only recently come back from injury so maybe he should sit out but I do really think um Martinelli has not even been at his best but he he's a threat and when you are a threat you occupy occupy defenders and they're wary of you. Like whenever he moves, people are like, oh shit, he's on the move. I need to track him. Like this is not really the case with Pepe and William when they're playing. And I don't know Nelson. I've not seen him much in the Premier League. So um, I think that the kind of the threat of Martinelli helps us create space. Um, maybe this is a reach, maybe it's not, but I kind of feel like it does. And he, he gets shots off. And then um, as, you, as you guys know, for the last two months, two months, we've struggled to get shots off. Martinelli's got, played two games, got more shots off than... Um, William and Pepe combined, I, I, I would literally reach as far as that um, in, in the last 10 games. So um, he does help us a lot with that kind of stuff. But I think Nelson is a good suggestion. 
Um, I, I don't want to see Aubameyang on the wing, to be honest. If the game is really played in, in, in West Brom's um, half, in their box, I think we, if we're playing this, the way, approaching the game the way we're playing right now, we might see some of the older Aubameyang because he used to be the guy that he's playing against a deep block and he finds the space. So um, he's not necessarily a striker who runs 30 yards in on goal all the time. You know, of course he can do it because he's, 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 he's very fast, but his movement is really good against the blocks. And if we, if we manage to create some chances and find ways of creating, um, I can see him be at the end of chances again. Um, so I, I, would like to, I would like to see him play. Um, I think Pepe is a, is a worthwhile um, um, consideration. Um, even though he's not played well um, this season, I think he has not played in this new iteration that we have right now with a number 10 that actually links play. So um, whilst we all to some degree have written Pepe off, um, I do think he still can give something um, to help us achieve our targets this season. And so um, if ESR plays in the 10 again, um, if Pepe plays right wing, um, yeah, maybe maybe we should give it a go. But I struggle to 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 want to take Saka out of the team, but I think he needs a rest, to be honest. He needs a rest. Yeah, so... It's an interesting one because obviously this game is coming three games after Brighton, uh, three days after Brighton, sorry. Um, but then we do have a week um, gap between our next game after that, right? So I feel like it might be the case that we do just risk the same lineup again um, and then give those guys the opportunity to rest before playing Newcastle in the FA Cup. Because for me personally, I don't want to see Pepe or Willian's face um, until that FA Cup match, because I don't, I don't think they deserve, um, I don't think they deserve the minutes. I think they've been shamed, and I don't think um, you know, sort of giving them a chance under the guise of rotation would would actually be the right thing to do. Um, yeah, I agree with you, to be honest. Um, would actually be the right thing to do. Um, however, Martinelli, uh, on the other hand, um, is someone that I could see, you know, just taking him out of the starting lineup just because of you know the injury situation with him. Um, party. Um, I don't know when he's going to come back. Uh, he's been doing individual training sessions or something like that. It might be nice to see him in the squad, um, but I don't want him risked unless... Yeah, um, I, 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 party, unless, yeah, unless he's fit. I just don't, don't, don't even... But like, wait till he's... Wait, because we made that mistake for Tottenham. Wait mm. until he's fully fit in it. Do you know what I mean? I'd rather just wait till he's fully fit and let him come back. And then like, that's why I said for me... Uh, like my priority in Jam would be to try and like yeah secure a partner for him and then try and get an attacking midfielder in even if it is on loan, um, yeah and then yeah and because because that's where we we need to think about where we're going to see the most improvement for the second half of the season. Um, party coming back would be a big plus. Having a competent partner for him would be a big mm-hmm. plus. Um, yeah, and Bissouma Bissoum would be great. Um, so yes, yeah, so I think yeah. Just don't risk him. Don't don't mm. risk him. There, there, there's no need to to risk party. So I feel like if we obviously I'm, I'm projecting a bit ahead here, but if we can sort of build confidence, yeah, then we can sort of you know have a big push for the Europa League in the second half of the season. So I wouldn't want to take any unnecessary risks here mm. anyway. So Do you guys think that um that the there's obviously talk of um the season being locked off for two weeks, which I believe when it, when I say two weeks, it just means they're trying to see if they can continue after two weeks, but they probably will prolong it. Mm. But um, do you think that might play into a selection? He might just go with the same team again to get the three points before the season gets locked off again. Yeah, um, possibly, possibly, yeah. Because yeah. everyone might, might get a big rest after after this weekend. So. <laughs> yeah, and then and then when we come back, you know, you got you got a fresh party. You might have a, a couple of signings. You got Martinelli. Um, 
you know, rested as well. You know, so so your prospects look a, a little bit better um, than what they did previously. So, you know, you get Gabriel recovered from his COVID as well. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe so, Louise and William stop stop faking their sickness as well. <laughs> yeah, so it's a it's an interesting one. And I think I think if we do manage to beat West Brom, that would actually be enormous um for for our season just in terms of building some confidence back i would like to see abamian get get back on the score sheet because i feel like once he gets a couple of goals that um you know we we might see the old abamian back so i think he's just low on confidence and um, and, and, and you know especially um, in this setup in this setup because i think in the second half of the game yesterday we had like 11 shots so even though like he didn't like it wasn't his best game. Like I was still encouraged by some of the movement he had, do you know what I mean, as well. So I feel like we just need to build that back up in him again. And like you said, this is a system now which looks like it could possibly create some more chances just because of the way we're trying to build a bit more through the middle and have a bit more variety to our play now. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, I, I would, do, do you know what? I was saying change it, but now I think there might be merit for keeping it the same. Mm. So yeah. Yeah, fair. So let's let's jump into some uh, some listeners' questions as well before before we wrap up. Um, I'll start with uh, with the patrons. Um, so someone said uh, this is Omni Wrench twelve thousand um, asked. Are you guys for or against a potential COVID break? And if for, when do you want it? It's it's it's, it's a tough one, you know, because like for example. If we do say beat West Brom, you're kind of like, well, I don't know if we want a COVID break now. You know, you, you know, when you just start sort of start building momentum back again. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's tough, man. Like I I don't want it partly from a selfish standpoint because football is all we, us man have, bro. Like, they, they, they they can't take this away from man, bro. Do you know what I mean? So then again, I have PS5, so probably I could, I could live without it. In it do you know what I mean? So, so, uh, so yeah, but yeah, no, I, I mean, from a selfish standpoint, I don't want football to stop. Uh, but obviously, safety is paramount and it's the most important thing. So if it's got to stop, it's got to stop in it. Um, but yeah, if it's, it's one of those ones. If 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 like we did, if we didn't win against West Brom, it might just be, do you know what? Let's take stock. It's a good time to you know um, get broken bodies back. Do you know what I mean? And um, hopefully work on stuff for, for when football does come back. But yeah, no, I, I don't want to see it stop. Let me not lie. I don't want to see ball stop. Let mm. it stop. Ball is life. Yeah, same to be honest. Um, I mean, I've, I've been playing my PlayStation Five, but um, I, I need, I still need ball. Um, at the end of the um, end of the day, I need to watch some games, and if the games ain't there, like the trash Netflix is serving up right now, I don't really want to partake in it. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was Bridges and was people what people are watching right now? It looks it looks air. So I don't really want to yeah. get involved in any of these shows because I, I have so much time on my hands. So please, I, I hope that they. They managed to keep this um or to um to make make sure that the bubble is not impacted. I think that's what the concern is, right? That the there's been an impact on the bubble with the rising cases. I hope um that they um they, they still reach their criteria to continue. Um and I'm sure if they do, they will continue because they need the peace. So um yeah, I hope I hope they don't stop the games, man. Yeah, same. I I, I agree with both of you, man. And I just I just feel they need to just um go back to the the strong the, the like sort of sterner implementation um of the those like bubbles that they had um previously because I feel like once those sort of restrictions have been lifted I'm not sure if players behaviors etc have actually um changed 
uh, back to match what was happening post post first lockdown? Because I know you know they were restricted on sort of who they were allowed to to meet and who was allowed in their circle. So you know when you're seeing girlfriends being flown in for for birthday parties and whatnot, I think um, flew out for the weekend. You know, yeah, <laughs> you know, know, moving like a little baby. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you know, I think I don't think that's the that's the sort of you know behavior that we we need to be seeing from some of these ballers. So. Um, I personally, yeah, I agree with you, man. From a selfish standpoint, I, I don't want to go back to a life about football, man. Those three, those three months early in that the year, pain, bro. Was, that was so that was, painful, bro. Bruv, it was, it was absolutely oh. peak, man. Here's me going, going out for walks and stuff in the day just bro, to occupy my time. Listen. it's not right, man. That's that's not what life is. That's not what life is. So, and clubhouses around now as well. Now you don't want to partake. Oh, in bro, bruv, uh, listen. Not, I've not downloaded that app and I don't plan on yeah, downloading you know, same, it. I'm same, just bro. seeing I'm just seeing bare, stupid arguments. I'm seeing Mandem <laughs> moaning into their phones and whatnot. Yeah, that's like <laughs> outrageous scenes oh, there. Yeah. No, that's no, not no, my portion. They can't take football away, man. This shit is <laughs> yeah, because yeah. guys are going to lose their heads. Hey, yeah. What's the state for my mental health, bro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, next question. Yeah, so I didn't want to touch on this in the in the main pod because I saw this uh, question had been asked. So Chris Dede asked, um, what are the panel's thoughts on Aubameyang's bad form, basically? So, um, yeah, German Dan, I'll let you go first on this one. Um, yeah, Aubameyang's in bad form. Um, it's very clear to see. Um, I think his fundamentals are off at the moment. Like, you know, when you have, uh, as a footballer, I think it's a lot about um, muscle memory and... Um, just knowing what to do in certain moments. And I think with that, with Abamia, it's a bit off at the moment. Um, I think he's not been in many situations in game where um, he's actually had to shift the ball and shoot. I think one one instance I can think of is Leeds, which wasn't good. And then now um, against Brighton. So there's like two instances in like 10 games I can really think of where he's been in good enough position to shift and shoot. And um, we've seen that way more often. And I think my main concern throughout the whole two months was was always um, our inability to create chances and get our good players in good positions. Now we are slowly getting back to that. And um, it's not a surprise to me that um, the first couple of times he's gotten to good areas, he's not profiting straight away. Um, I think that is only normal, given that he's been obviously in poor form and um, he he hasn't had many chances in the Premier League this season. So I'm not too concerned about it. Um, I think as long as we continue creating um, at a good rate that we are now in the last two games, um, then I think uh, he will he will not. Sh- I think his quality is just we've he's been what for the last five six years he's been always notching. I think this is probably the biggest stint and um, biggest biggest um, dip in his career. So I'm sure he will he will score again soon. Um, yeah, what 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 does concern me a little bit is that. Um, that the, the, the fans are so much onto him. Like, I would have, I would have hoped for more support from the fan base. This is a guy that has carried Arsenal, carried the franchise on his back for like twelve months. Like he, we were saying last year, what he's doing is not is not sustainable, and he does he doesn't he doesn't usually outperform his xG, and you shouldn't expect him to do that just because he signed now a contract. Doesn't mean he can sustain what he what he was doing previously, which was obviously for if you look at his whole career and his numbers, he never outperformed his XG. So he was he was being a superman for for the last season, and it was just not gonna happen. So I think um, uh, I think it was it was always gonna go back to the mean and um, and then on top of us not creating, and um, this is just where he is now. Um, three or four goals in the league, not great. 
But um, if we con- if we continue creating again, he will score. Um, I just I just think that the fans need to assess players um, and support players um, of the football club. I think there's a lot of argument of him not putting effort in. I, I don't see that. I think I think people read body language really wrong. Uh, just because Xhaka f- slides in on a man doesn't mean he's more passionate about Bamiyang. Like people have different ways of displaying their emotions. Some people don't display their emotions. So Bamiyang, even when he scores, like his, his demeanor is like the same. Like when he doesn't score, like he looks down when he misses in games, even when he has already scored too. I think those things are just becoming more amplified because he is not scoring. But I don't think he has changed um, in his demeanor or his persona or anything as such. Um, too tough. He, he's the same guy to me. He doesn't seem less motivated than anything. So I think those those arguments are reaches, in my opinion. And then once he starts scoring again, people will forget it. Um, mm. But this period, I think, has shown me that a lot, a lot of fans are quick to turn on on our good players, but have a lot of stock for the players that are not as good, which mm. I think is is weird. Other other fan bases won't do this, and I hate to bring up the other lot, but if you if you if you'd see. Um, Hurricane Kane going through a, a bad patch. I doubt the fans would turn on him like this. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I think I think Arsenal fans do, do this do this with our good players a lot, um, and they go through bad patches. It's, it's it's so it's so crazy to me, like that. This is like one of the players with the best goal to game ratio in Arsenal history. Like we're jumping on his back, like do you know what I mean. So like, lest we forget. This guy at the back end of last season, <laughs> he he was literally semi-final final against Chelsea, braces right. in both games, beat people questioned his credentials as a big game player, bagged semi-final, bagged in the final, bagged in the community shield, like bagsman, do you know what I mean? Like, and his dipping form has coincided with us being the worst attacking side in the league. Like, what, what, do, what, like, what do you expect is going to happen? Like, what do you think is gonna happen? And and I, I tweeted this yesterday, I said. Aubameyang has been a poacher his whole life. Like, why are people now getting on to him for, you know, stuff about lack of hold-up play? Lack of hold-up play wasn't an issue when he was banging 40 goals at Dortmund, do you know what I mean? So, mm. but, so, so we, what, my bigger issue is we need to focus on becoming a better chance creation machine and then you'll see a better Aubameyang. It, it's really, it's really, really that simple. I don't even see, I've not seen any change in, yeah, like Dan said, in terms of work rate, in terms of intensity, in terms of like, I don't think he's lost the yard or anything like that. I, to me, it's the exact same player. I just think it's the exact same player in a much worse side. Where, where like, because I think what people are expecting is because he's the captain, they think, like, you know, grab the game by the He's not that guy, bro. He's not going to dribble. He's not going to pick up the ball, dribble past, like, three guys and bang it top bins. That's never been him. But if you have a cohesive, creative attacking side that is creating chances at will, he will score goals. He will mm. score loads of goals. Like, and, and that's the thing. Like, I think people are starting to think now, that Aubameyang's a clinical guy. Aubameyang's never really been a clinical exactly. guy. Like, uh, Aubameyang is exactly very, very similar to Cavani at uh, United and throughout his whole career at PSG, Napoli. Cavani misses a lot of chances, but nobody cares because he gets so many chances that he will he will bag it anyway. Do you know what I mean? So we need to get back to the level where we're creating chances at will, where Aubameyang missing is not a big issue. Do you know what I mean? People, Aubameyang will miss one chance in a game now. People will get onto him. I'm like, that's the only chance we've created, bro. Yeah. That the bigger worry should be the amount of chances we're creating rather than him missing. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's for me, it's not a big issue. He's it, like, Jamie, he's still one of the greatest Arsenal strikers. So um, yeah, get creating again. And um, I'm more encouraged by what I've seen recently. So hopefully we can continue along that vein. And if we show more of what we've shown in the last two games, Aubameyang will score. It's not an issue. Yeah. 
uh, and I, I, I agree with everything that you guys have said. And I feel like, um, to, to Dan's point, in terms of, you know, the, the fan base turning on him, I've always felt like the fan base has not really warmed to Aubameyang or respected him um, as much as they probably should, um, evidenced by that, you know, that player of the season that Lacazette got after Aubameyang scored 31 goals. I, I couldn't believe... Um, that that was the result, uh, you know, because for me, it was clear who who the better player was that season um, and who had sort of, whose goals had put Arsenal um, in a position where where they got to, you know, the Europa League final and um, um, and to fifth place uh, in, in the league, you know. So in, in that running um, in the league, I think Lacazette scored one goal in the last 10 matches of the season, you know, when, and we finished a point off, um, fourth place and people were still voting this guy to be their player of the season over Aubameyang and I thought that was um, that was poor from from Arsenal fans personally um, and I think it's just continued now that uh, for some reason they've not they've not warmed to him as much as you know you would expect and uh, uh, they're, they're sort of voicing their concerns um, now I, think, uh, I honestly believe that since he signed that contract people have been waiting for this form dip to attribute mm. it to the contract as soon as he I think he scored in the Fulham game, and then the last, the two games after that, we all, we already playing poorly, to be honest. <laughs> but um, he didn't score, and he's I think he didn't score in two or three games, and people are already oh new contract, he don't give a shit. That mm. narrative was there very early in the season, to be honest. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I remember, I, I remember a tweet from the flipping touchline Spurs account, you know, talking about his xG on on game week four, you know. So it's just like like people have have this agenda you know, sort of ready to pull out. So um, I hope, I just hope he gets back in the goals and, and silences some of these, um, some of these critics. Um, next question from uh, Tommy Ajayi, one. Uh, he says, if we fling Lacazette and Nketiah, do we need to buy another striker or can we ride it out with Martinelli and Balogun if he re-signs? So, 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 so this, this is a tough one because I know... Um, some people think we need a different profile of striker in terms of you know someone who can bring others into play, but who can also run run the sort of run the line themselves. And and I and I totally get the logic for that. And I and I, in general terms, I actually would like to see that. But it's it's a tough one because I I also believe um, that if you believe in certain young players, you have to create that pathway. So if you're going to block that, then like for example, if you go out and buy a striker now, what incentive has Balogun got to sign? Do you know what I mean? So. Um, so it's it's a tough one. I I would like to personally. I I wouldn't. I would instead focus on getting a, a good good goal scoring wide forward in, um, because th th there are numerous ways to create and there are numerous ways to score. You can build up through the striker. You can build up through the middle. You can build up through the wide areas. Um, I think we need to, for example, we've decided to give Aubameyang the contract. Um, so we need to lean into him as much as possible. So we need to create the system that will get the best out of Aubameyang for me as well. So, and I think if Aubameyang will thrive in that system, then I'm sure Martinelli and Balogun will as well. Um, obviously, I, I do, I've always had a thing for like, you know, guys who can run the line themselves. Like I was quite, contrary to popular belief, I was a big fan of Adebayor. I liked his profile. I liked that style of striker. Um, there's Patson Dakar at Salzburg. Um, there's Osimhen at Napoli. You know, there are these guys who are like six foot, but they're rapid as well, and they can run the line themselves. So I get the appeal for that sort of start, start um, style of striker because I think even in the academy, there's that um, Molikid now, who a lot of people are quite fans of because he seems um, his approach play is very, very good. He, he links up well, but he seems to be able to move in behind as well. So I get it. It's a tough one. It just depends on how you want to 
construct your squad that would um, lend a lot into that. Mm. Um, I think I agree with a lot of the sentiments that Sean has mentioned. That um, if you if you have a and I believe Balogun is a big big talent. Um, so obviously the first thing is try get him to a contract. Um, then if you have him, if you if you have made a managed to re-sign him, then you should create a pathway for him. And that would be about selling Lacazette, selling Eddie. Who I don't think are as good as him. Um, but also um, giving them opportunities in the first team um, continuously. So I'm I'm a bit in two minds to be honest because I um for the for the reasons that Sean has mentioned that I'm a big fan of the profile mobile target man and players that um can hold up and stretch defenses and trouble defenses through their physicality and obviously Aubameyang is not that type of player but then also we need to we need to be able to so I think I think there's a list of priorities of things that has to happen in order to get a maximum out of it. So um, we need to first find a system or have a team that can get the best out of Aubameyang because he's now our, our, our number one um, um, earner. Um, so we need to get the max out of him and that is contract. And we didn't get a max out of Uzo in his contract. So we shouldn't make that same mistake again that we build in different parts of the squad that not necessarily um, kind of um, facilitating this play that we have now made our marquee player um, to to perform well, so that's I think those are the mistakes that we made for Uzo. We shouldn't make those mistakes again. So let's build a team um, in which Bamian can thrive, but then also manage. Um, I think Martinelli I can view as someone that can play centrally and wide. So um, I think if we then only have Bamian and Balogun, I think we are a bit thin up front. So I would I would go out in the market and buy a different profile. Um, and that profile be maybe a bit more raw. Maybe maybe don't actually spend as much money as I, as I, I, I said Daka. I said Rafael Leao. I, I, those are players I think that would cost a bit more money. But if we can acquire a profile that is is probably happy to be a squad player, maybe he's like 25, 22 to twenty five. Um, so not a young G like Balogun, and um, not a vet like Aubameyang. So in between then I would be happy for him to be a squad player to come off the bench and, and contribute in games that we, we think he could make a difference. I think having different profiles is very important, but um, managing that um, managing the system or having a team that allows Aubameyang to thrive ultimately and also gives opportunities to Balogun is important. Um, but I do think we need three strikers and I think Martin Lee will be mostly used advice um, out wide in the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's fair points. I think um yeah, just one thing to 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 add to both of that is that I, I would like someone who can play probably across the front line um as a as a striker or uh, on the flanks as well, similar to to Martinelli. Um I think the profile of someone like a Marcus Turam um would be quite a good signing for 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 our front line because you know you can play with Aubameyang or instead of Aubameyang um potentially as well if you have someone like Martinelli playing on 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 the, on the flanks instead, so um, I think that that sort of profile of of forward would be a good addition if we are letting Lacazette and, and Ketia go. Because if you think about it theoretically, those are you know this season that's a lot. That's those are our two um, top goal scorers I think um, in all competitions. So you're letting um, a lot of goals go to then rely on two you know sort of twenty year olds going forward. I think that's a that's a big ask. Really, so you do. I think you do want someone else in there who can, you know, sort of be relied upon to share that goal burden. Because at age twenty, I think it's going to be very rare that you're going to have consistent goals and consistent output from from any of your forwards. So um, I do think you need someone a little bit older uh, to bridge that gap between Abamyang and then the likes of um, Martinelli uh, and 
Balogun. Uh, another question here from Master C. Um, two wins in a row is an improvement on how things were a few weeks ago. Do you credit the recent improvement of form to Arteta or do you think the credit should go more to the players, especially the youngsters driving us forward? I think it's a 50-50 thing. I, I, would, I, would, I would give Arteta some credit for um, going back to what he did before lockdown, which kind of worked. And also um, adding centrality to our game because for weeks he wasn't. Um, he was very, very um, set on this U formation and, um, and doing everything out wide and creating out wide. So I do give that uh, credit to changing it back, even though I think it was an obvious switch that he should have made months ago. I, I have to caveat that because we've been shouting for this for a long time. But he's made it now, um, and um, he, he's, he's getting results of it. So, yes, he, he deserves credit. And um, I think big credit for, um, for the youngsters as well um, to come in in, a, in a, probably the most difficult situation you, you could come in um, for Arsenal Football Club, where a lot of the senior players have actually tapped out. Willian has tapped out, in my opinion. Uh, I, think he, I think he probably will go in the summer, you know. Like, it seems like I've, I read something about Atea giving them a verbal, verbal warning. Um, I think William has tapped out um, and um, they've come in and they've they've done more than just a job. They've they've affected and, and decided games for us. Only two so far, but um, I'm positive they can um, and decide more games. So I credit to both sides. But with, I tell you, I have to caveat, you took too fucking long for this. But <laughs> you, you, you're mutual. Yeah, same. No, no, I, just, I, I agree, man. Like, it's, it's hard to give too much credit for a solution which was just staring you right in the face. Like, I, I just don't understand why there was never why, why there was never any central option for us to play through because everything just became so predictable. Um, so while it's good that we've been better in the last two games, this could have been done like seven, eight games ago. Do you know what I mean? So it kind of feels like you shot yourself in the foot unnecessarily with some of your actions. So yeah, finally, but it felt like you got through to this point through desperation rather than it actually being what you wanted to do. Do you know what I mean? So because if you wanted to do it, you would have done it from the start. So, yeah. Got through on clearing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there's there's been sort of three, three more questions from the patrons, but I think we've sort of answered them um, already through through our discussion earlier. So uh, King Quax asked, um, where do you see Saka playing um, in the future? So I think we, we touched on that um, earlier. Mateus said, when did football fans become so fickle uh, short-term, talking on Aubameyang getting abuse. Can we blame the emergence of social media um, for this? So I think we, yeah, we just uh, spoke on that um, as well. I do think social media does have a bit of an influence. I think some of our fan base have been influenced by some of the arguments that other fan bases have put forward um, about Aubameyang and sort of they're, they're sort of jumping on the bandwagon almost a little bit um, there. Uh, Sam E underscore 91 says, we all know Saka needs resting. What's the best way to do it and which games? Um, and will Arteta even be sensible and rest him? So I think we talked about that um, when we spoke on um, the West Brom match. And then the last question, which comes from Twitter this time, um, from Coney underscore 108. Um, he goes, I know we fear being a selling club, but in hindsight, do you think shifting Aubameyang when his stocks were so high would have been the sensible thing to do? If so, how would you have reinvested it? Um, I think this is a good question, you know, because 
um, not this summer just gone, but the one before, I think, um, just after the Europa League, I think there was talk of Arsenal having to sell one of um, Aubameyang or Lacazette. Um, and me personally, I always said you should sell Lacazette, even even they won player of the season. I always thought that, you know, you should sell, you should probably sell both of them and then do a proper rebuild if you had to. But if it was my preference, I would have kept Aubameyang and sold Lacazette after that, um, after Emery's first season. So it'd be interesting to hear, you know, you guys' thoughts on on, on that question. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've never been afraid to sell players. I, I don't mind selling anyone. Um, but so my, my, my kind of thing with, um, and, I, and I said this previously, was that if you've now decided that you're going to give Oba that contract, you need to build the team around him. You need to lean into him because obviously he's, that, that, that's where you've decided to put your money. So you need to try and build a team to extract the best from him. If you've decided that that's not what you want as a nine, then why, why would you give him that deal? Do you know what I mean? Why, why would you give him that deal? So you you were you were better off if like because it, it looks to me like because one of the judgments I've made is that you obviously you have to judge the guy by what he does first. He never played Aubameyang up front to start with. He's only played Aubameyang as a striker through desperation. So it's obviously not what he wants from his nine. So then again, the question is like, what sort of team do you want? What are your actions? And this is sort of stems from a wider criticism of Arteta is that I still don't really know what your overall plan is do you know what I mean so because you've not shown any consistency in terms of what you've done in, in terms of what your decisions have been so um, because when you first came and you said you wanted Arsenal to to be a free-flowing attacking side but your a lot of your decisions have been contradictory to that a lot of the, the ways you've set up have been contradictory to that so um, a lot of the way you've chosen to build up has been contradictory to that so um, you've chosen to keep players who, do you know what I mean? Like you, you call down any back from Turkey. No, no one asked you to do that. Do you know what I mean? You sent Guendouzi and Torreira to the Gulag. Um, you decided not to include Urza in your squad, but you have no method of creating chances. You've only just brought ESR in now after people have been campaigning for a couple of months. Do you know what I mean? So, um, so for me, it, 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 it's part of my wider criticism about Arteta is that I still don't really know what he's doing. Um, this is great at the moment, but you seem to have stumbled upon this rather than this being your actual plan. So again, what is your actual plan? And how does Aubameyang fit into that actual plan? Because if he's not going to be central to the actual plan, then what was the point of giving him that big deal? So, yeah. Yeah, I think um, Sean made a lot of the points that I agree with there, to be honest. Um, and also on, on the selling point, never afraid to sell a player. Um, if, you, if you as a club decide to sell... Then um, it's got to be the right moment for you to sell. Um, I see, I see, I see, I see Dortmund selling players a lot and replacing them um, with better players for less money. <laughs> so um, I think uh, I would like Arsenal doing that as well. So I think I w- no one was afraid when we sold Ox. Um, even if we would have sold Alexis Sanchez that summer, I think it was a bit panicky. But we should have sold him 50, 60 mil. Um, even Ramsey at times um, when we had offers for him, we should have sold them and reinvested the money. It's about getting the money and then be investing it and finding the right profiles. I think that's the main criticism that I don't really trust Arsenal, that if we have a quality player, if we don't lose them, are we going to replace them adequately? I have my doubts, you know, so that's the main, that's the main um, criticism because I think there's a lot of talent out there. If you get good money for even someone like Bellerin, uh, sell him. Uh, Lemty is out there, you know, uh, we can grab him for 25, 20 mil. We should do this, but um. I just have my doubts if they can replace the players with appropriate quality. Yeah, I think I think that's the main question mark, right? If it was a well-run club, you know, you look at Liverpool, Dortmund, um, you know, they 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 got no qualms 
in selling players because they've got a list of another 10 that they can go and pluck immediately, you know, that will want to join them as well. Look at Jude Bellingham, right, had the option of going to Manchester United or Borussia Dortmund and he chose Dortmund and it's clear to see why he chose Dortmund as well over the biggest club in England because, you know, they're going to give him the, the pathway to, to play minutes and that that now is probably the, the best club in Europe for young talent, right? He knows that Everyone knows what Dortmund are about, so it's not it's not hard for them to go out and get another young player to come and join their join their project. When you're at Arsenal now, and you're talking about you know sort of planning for the future and um, uh, 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 and building a squad in squad planning and whatnot, you look at it and you're like, well, let me look at some of the young players that they have there. If we were to go and sell a Bamiyang and then say and uh, try and go after an Eduard or a, a Patson Dakar or, you know, a Doku or something like that. They're going to look at how we treated some of these young players and be like, well, Gwenduzi did a couple of things wrong. He's been sent to the Gulag. Maitland-Niles came late to, the tra- late to training a couple of times. He didn't play for three months. Um, Saliba, who's supposed to be highly talented player, you know, he, he's, he's been sent to the Gulag as well. He's going out on loan. So they're saying that, well, I don't even know if I'm going to get my opportunities um, in this team. And then also, if you look at not even young players now, some of the, the, the more experienced signings that we're making, you know, we have 72 million pounds to spend in the, on a winger and we, spend it, we, and we spend it all on one guy who's never played Champions League football after one good season in France. You know, like, as, much as, as much as you might rate a player, for a club like Arsenal to blow the whole budget on an unproven guy like that is crazy. You know, that you can buy three players there who would probably have more of an impact in the Arsenal team right now than Nicolas Pepe. Ziyech was available for half that price that summer. Do you know what I mean? That would have been a quality player to, 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 to bring in. So, you know, the club, I think, have sort of the decisions that they've made make you not trust them with, with funds. And that's, that's, and, and that's where I think they need to do a lot better. They, they don't know how to identify quality assets and they don't know how to keep those assets um, valued highly. So... You know, this has been our, our big issue in the last five years. Look how many players we've left, let leave on a free, not getting value for them. You know, Lacazette, he, two summers ago, probably the, the perfect time to, to sell him. But, you know, we're complacent. We keep him. His value is eroded. And now if we, if we are going to sell him, you know, you're going to struggle to find, find buyers. Whereas two years ago, his, his stock was high. So um, I do agree with you. I just feel like, you know, we, we just miss the opportunity. We're always a summer late. We're always a step behind the market, you know, and I feel like, like until that changes, um, we're not really going to see uh, much improvement. Yeah, that's that's basically it. And then to not to not to go too long on this point, but even the Koscielny thing, like they mm. knew Koscielny wanted to go and they fucking, they didn't do nothing about it, really. They thought they could convince him or make him stay. And then in the end, uh, it blew up in their face and they had to buy David Luiz as an emergency buy, like. And then you look at the first season that Louise had with us, shambles. Like, I think <laughs> five or six penalties or something stupid. Yeah. Like, it's just ridiculous, some of the stuff that was happening. And there was um, a long servant in Koscielny that we didn't replace adequately. And Ramsey as well, someone gone on a free, has, has not been replaced yet. So, I mean, Uzo was going to go in the summer on the free. Who are we going to buy this gen or in the summer? Are they going to be of adequate quality? We will we'll see. Um, but I just don't have much faith in them doing it because we've seen over the summer uh, over so many transfer winners that they have not done it. Mm. So, so when Santi Cazola left, who did we replace him with? We just kept Jacka. 
Yeah, basically, it's uh, it's it's in terms of squad planning, it just seems that there's no there's no plan. We've seen Arteta and Edu say, you know, the summer and January has been planned. So let's see how they execute now, basically. So um, I'm going to wrap it up and leave it there. Um, thanks everyone for for listening. Um, if you're still still with us, make sure you go follow uh, all the social accounts um, at Touchagunas at Touchline um, Fracas. Um, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube. Uh, as I mentioned, we did um, a post-Chelsea pod immediately after uh, the match. So if you do want to go and listen to some of our sort of hot takes um, where we haven't had time to, to digest or, or um, you know, delve into some other content, then uh, make sure you go sign up to the Patreon as well. Um, otherwise, uh, thank you, Dan and Sean, for joining us. Um, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you, peace. Bye. To 2 2, and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Go! Could have went left, but it went right. Because it went wrong, but it went right. Said it was Ian, but it went right. Number one, Hulk. Pass on, pass on, sack. MVP in the night. Telling the negative deposit. We're heading for a classic in the paper. Could have had that fight, but I'm in walk on sight. Man, I had to grab that mic. You're not gonna spit this time. Trying to work with a good oh, energy. Man, you're gonna work with a bad man vibe. None of these guys can't do it. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. That's foul. Man, I'm That's the response of Arsenal. Across the line. Score from my team in the time I play. Whether I know when man's inside. Chelsea. Man, I'll share that. Simply. Lost their focus in the joy of equalizing. Sports Social Podcast Network.